This this is the Impressions Exchange Podcast. Impressions Exchange Podcast. Where all topics impacting the graphic imaging and printing industry are addressed via in-depth news coverage, analysis, and timely interviews. Hi, I'm Denise Gustafson, Editorial Director for Printing United Alliance and the guest host for this special Printing Impressions podcast series in celebration of Women's History Month, highlighting the women in the printing industry. During this series, I'll have the opportunity to talk with women from all segments of the industry about their experiences and their journey as a woman in the printing industry. So today, it's my pleasure to welcome Jamie Haran, Vice President Graphic Operations with Orbis, who's based in Woodridge, Illinois. Jamie, welcome. Hi, happy to be here. So can you talk a little bit about the work that you do and uh, a little bit about Orbis as well? Sure, of course. So I've been with Orbis for actually just over 18 years. It's been a pretty wild ride. One of the things that we do is really promote our customers' brands visually. And we're doing that with a number of different brands under the Orbis umbrella. Some that you might know would be the Exhibitor's Handbook, our promo brand, Fabric Images, Nimlock, SEG. And we're really trying to segment different markets through those brands, whether that's going to be retail, live events, outdoor displays, and corporate interiors. Okay, good. So what do you do as Vice President of Graphic Operations? So I've been overseeing uh, graphic operations for most of my career, but I actually in the last year expanded to include that into continuous improvement and overseeing our custom exhibit builds. So kind of overseeing the whole design process from design and estimating through project management and engineering into the final build. And so it's nice because they kind of all go hand in hand. Continuous improvement sort of fits into improving all the areas of the business, which we've incorporated quite a bit into the graphic side and and graphics is a big part of custom exhibits too. So it's been fun to be involved in all three. Definitely. It certainly keeps you busy as well. It sure has, but it's a good challenge. Yes. So how did you get started in printing? I'm guessing you didn't wake up one morning when you were six years old and say, I want to be in printing. I'm guessing that's probably not how it happened. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was very unexpected. So I grew up in Ohio and I went out to Arizona State for college, specifically for graphic design. So that was always on my radar. I liked layouts and magazines and design and Mm -hmm. thought that was going to be more of my future. And after college in 2004, I moved to the Chicagoland area and through a friend of a friend, I found out about Nimlock and Orbis and they were hiring entry-level production artists. I ended up getting hired and I didn't know anything about trade shows or printing. I don't think I had even ever attended a trade show at that point. So it was, it was kind of a wild ride. And I started as a, as the first pre-production artist, pre-flooding files for print looked quite a bit different than we were printing on solvent printers, doing some inkjet rollable and rigid trade show signage. So much different speeds, quality and output than we're working with today. Definitely interesting. So you started in pre-press. How did you get yeah. from there to where you are today as a VP? You know, it was interesting. I I started at this job and I thought it was going to be a a job to get experience, maybe to go work in advertising or do some of the things I originally thought I was going to do. And I quickly learned after about a year at Orbis that uh, the trade show industry and printing was pretty exciting. 
And there was a ton of opportunity, especially at Orbis back then. We were pretty small. There was probably about 40 employees and there were so many things that needed to be done because we were growing so fast. And I loved the opportunity to get involved and have a voice right out of school. And so when the business started to expand and we were hiring additional production artists or hiring more order entry administrators, I got involved in training. I got involved in hiring, creating the processes and standards for those departments. And it it really just kind of took off. And so I think four or five years in, I was, I was overseeing the whole front of the house in terms of order entry, pre-production work, scheduling, and then Maybe about 2009, 2010, I got more involved in color management and we had started to install UV flatbed equipment and I started to learn the print side of that as well. Uh, Became graphics manager of the whole department, got more involved on the finishing floor. And in 2011, my old boss took the opportunity to move out West when we opened our Las Vegas facility. So he became general manager of Orbis Las Vegas And I was able to step into his role of overseeing all graphic operations in the Chicago land. So I've been in this role for about 12, 13 years, and it's been pretty crazy. We've been growing. We've been adding a lot of different brands, equipment, products over the years, and it's been a really fun experience. I can't imagine the great, I mean, you guys have been growing tremendously over the last few years. So it's just amazing to see that as you're bringing people in. And just to see all the work that you guys are doing, which is really just, it's amazing just from a perspective for me. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, I love the challenge. It's been really rewarding. COVID was was obviously a roadblock for not, not just Orvis, but the whole industry. And so mm-hmm. it's been really amazing to see the business come back even stronger after COVID and look at different ways of doing things. And now we're we're back to where we were before and we're bringing in new equipment and we're bringing in new talent and we're really excited to see where the business is going to take us. So through your experience and the different roles that you've had within Orbis, what lessons has your work life taught you? Has there been anything that you'd like to share? I think some of the biggest lessons are honestly over the last few years, we were on this record of growth for so long and everything, not that everything was perfect all the time, but our challenges were how we were going to deal with additional volume and grow and COVID kind of stopped us in our tracks where we really had to reinvent ourselves very quickly and figure out how we were going to get through 2020 and 2021. And I think, you know, I had to particularly learn that you just have to be really resilient and come in and be positive and do what you can. And it took time. We came out with new brands. We focused on new products and, I think you just have to focus on the positive and that wasn't easy to do all the time, but I think getting through that, you kind of feel like you're going to get through anything. Yeah, definitely. With everything that was going on, it was coming literally from every angle between COVID. Then we had the issues with supply chain. Then you had the issues with Texas with adhesive graphics and the glues that you couldn't get. It's like any which way you looked, there was something. Right. You got through one problem and there was, there was something else. And It does feel like last year it stabilized a bit, which is, which is great. So hopefully 2023 is pretty smooth. I should knock on wood right now. Yeah, exactly. Don't jinx us. (laughs) Absolutely. So through your career, who has been the biggest influence in your career, whether it's a person or whether it's an organization and what lessons did those, that person or people have taught you? That's a good one. Um, 
You know, I've been at Orvis for so long that I would say I have multiple people who've been very influential in my career. So, you know, there's, there's really two parts of it. My original boss at Orbis and our longtime CEO were really instrumental in helping me get experience. They gave me so much opportunity early in my career. I distinctly remember going into our old CEO's office and he said, you know, you're not in trouble. And he said, well, I guess it depends on how you look at it, but we have this new opportunity for you if, if we'd love you to run graphic operations. And just my personality of the first things that were kind of going through my head was all the things I didn't know. And I started mm-hmm. just going through that list with him. And he said, stop, I know, I know what you know, and I know what you don't know. And I'm, I'm good with all of this. I know what you don't know. You're going to figure out really quick. And they gave me, they put a lot of trust in me to hire candidates on my own, make capital investment decisions that helped us grow our business. And I'm forever thankful for those opportunities. Uh, and the second part of that is is really what happened after COVID. Orbis was bought in at the end of 2019 by a private equity group. And we were just kind of going through that change when COVID started. And that was difficult, right? We had new leadership, COVID happened. And I remember coming in here in the summer 2020, just feeling terrible about what we were trying to get through and what PPE products that we can make. And two of the operating advisors from our new ownership were here every week with smiles on their faces and just a positive outlook and really talked about, you know what, we're going to focus on what we're doing now. And we are going to help you and the Orbis group rebuild for when the business comes back and we're going to rebuild better. And that's what we did. And they were with us side by side. And it's been a really exciting journey and they've been incredibly supportive and I've personally learned a lot from working with them. That's fantastic. Cause during COVID, sometimes you think the last thing you need is for your owners to be kind of like watching everything over your shoulder, but instead they were, instead of behind you watching over, they were really side by side with you. Oh, absolutely. They were, they were flying here from other States every week and getting to know the team and out on the floor talking about what we wanted to do. And and a lot of it too, they were supportive and, you know, what problems did you have before COVID that you want to fix? How can we tackle this now so that we're ready when the business comes back? And that was, that was amazing. It was, it was so nice to be involved in that situation and work with them and, and really prepare for better times. Now, as we know, the printing industry tends to be a little bit on the male dominated side, to say the least. So what do you think has really helped you the most to make your career as a woman be successful? You know, I think that I've been very fortunate at Orbis. Orbis has always been incredibly supportive of women in in leadership roles. In fact, about half of our senior leadership team are women. And our new CEO is very encouraging for us to get involved in groups and attend seminars that will help promote our further career development, which is incredibly important for me because I've worked at Orbis for my whole career. 18 years is a long time to be in in one place. So getting out of the office and attending things, whether it's inside the print industry like Spire or attending trade shows or doing things, women in business organizations outside the office are so important to help give you a different perspective Mm -hmm. because it's, it's hard to have a different perspective sometimes when you're in one building for so long. And I've really been fortunate to have that opportunity and have a leader that promotes us and encourages us to do those types of things. 
I think another big factor to uh, being successful is the flexibility to change. I think as a leader, you're always having to be flexible in how you're doing business. Change is going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it's totally necessary. And, you know, we talk about that as a team a lot at Orbis. Sometimes when something worked two years ago, we have to stop and recognize that that doesn't work anymore and be flexible to change, whether that's technology, the way we're managing our people, whether that's print equipment. And as the leader, you have to find a way to motivate everybody to be open to the change and be on board with driving the team forward. Change is scary. It is scary. Uh, We've been having quite a lot of conversations about that lately, just because now that the business has recovered and it's back, things are different. Technology is different. It's not where it was in 2020. And so we have to change. And as leaders, we have to set the path and make everybody comfortable with the, the path that we're headed down. Change is hard. And I mean, we've already dealt with so much change with regard to COVID, how businesses had to change and change themselves even. There's been so much change over the last few years. You figure like, oh, we got this, but it's still, sometimes we just fall back on that. Well, this is how we, we used to do it. This is what works. It's comfortable. Right. That's, that's a line we hear quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. here is, you know, the, this is how we've always done it. And yeah. that's something that I'm really trying to break with the culture and the team that, you know, we made a lot of big changes about seven, eight years ago, and we're sort of in the process of doing that again. And, and I think that's important to stay market leaders that you are changing and mm-hmm. you're keeping with technology and trends. And you know, that if you're, you're trying something new, that it's, you're going to have issues. There's going to be things that maybe haven't been sorted out if you're going to be the first person to adopt something. But at the same time, that's, in my opinion, what helps you stay as a market leader. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to kind of change our trajectory a little with this conversation and talk a little bit about family, work-life balance. I think that's one of the the biggest challenges that a lot of women have faced in in the industry is that they have to make a choice between having a career or having a family. Is that something that you were faced with? And is that something that women are still experiencing today? It's obviously such an important topic. And I think that everybody is so different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Me personally, I, I always knew that I wanted to have a career. Even when my husband and I started talking about having a family, work was always going to be part of my adult future. And one of the things that was important is that I had my career established before we wanted to have children. And I think that working full time and having children of any age can definitely be a challenge, but it's definitely possible with the right support system. My husband and I both work full time. We both travel a little bit. And so it does come down to a lot of strategic planning and organization and not every week goes as planned. And I think for me, that's been hard is just kind of stepping back and knowing that you're not going to have control over every week. And some weeks just aren't going to work out as planned and you do the best you can and you keep moving forward. And that's, that's life. And, and there's no way around that. I think it's important that you realize with parenthood and working that it's going to constantly evolve. When you first have kids, you think everything is going to be as it is in that time when you're sort of packing up bottles and diaper bags for daycare and you get in this rhythm. And then a few years later, that rhythm changes. And and now it's drop off and picking up from soccer games and sports or trying to get out of the office to make a game and then get home and get back on back online at night. So it's just that 
flexibility to understand that every year it might look different and that's okay. That's part of the evolution of parenting and, mm-hmm. and working. So is it really balance or is it just flexibility? It seems like you're leaning toward it's more flexibility more so than balance. I think the work-life balance has been such a topic over the last few years. And I, I read a lot about it on LinkedIn. You, mm-hmm. you read about it everywhere. You hear people talk about it everywhere. And I think the biggest thing for me is that realizing the definition of work-life balance for me personally doesn't have to mean that every week or day is perfectly balanced. I I think in in my role and in my personal life, that's not necessarily realistic. And there might be weeks or a month where I'm at work quite a bit. Maybe I'm working 60, 70 hours a week. And that's what the job requires at the time. But I think on the flip side of that, whether it's a week that's not as crazy or we're in a slower season, I have to make getting out of the office a priority. I have to make spending more time with the family, uh, getting to more sporting events or after school activities a priority. And I think that's where the balance is important. And I think that so many people may get caught up in every day or every week having to be balanced. And then it just feels frustrating all the time where I try to look at it over a span of a month or a span of a quarter. I've been at Orbis long enough to know when our busy seasons are going to be and when I might not be at home as much and and how we can prioritize and balance. And I think you have to to look at it that way. And another thing is is prioritizing health. I think if I'm going to take care of my family and be dialed in at work, I'm going to feel my best if I'm taking care of myself. So getting up early, getting in a good workout is something that helps me take care of my family and do the best that I can at work. And that takes dedication. That's for sure. One of the things that I think is very interesting is, you know, you have been a working mom, you have a family, but there's been all some stereotypes that kind of get placed on some of those phrases that we use. A working mom can sometimes be looked down on because they don't have, because maybe people think that they're not as committed or dedicated to their job because there might be working flex hours, you know, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes you have to go pick kids up or you got to go to a game. So you might, they might not see you're not in the office, but they don't see you working at nine or 10 o'clock at night at home to finish up. It's tough with some of those stereotypes. And then you have women that are too aggressive. A man being aggressive or assertive is fine, but for a woman, it's not necessarily looked upon well, how do you deal with some of those stereotypes? I mean, those are just two, obviously. Sure. I'd be lying if I said that I hadn't dealt with any of that. I have many other friends that are working moms. I have friends that stay home. And and one of the things that I had to learn probably in the first two years of, of having our son, who's now eight, is that I think whatever you do, you just have to own your decision and be confident about it. And whether that means that you're going to be a mom who also focuses on having a career or you're going to be a stay-at-home mom, people are always going to have opinions. There's no way around that. You have to do what's right for you and your family at the end of the day. And it's hard sometimes to be criticized for working too much. It, It can be difficult to not be able to help out at the school once a week or get involved right alongside some of the other mothers that, that maybe aren't working. But I think, again, it kind of, it comes back to your goals and what you want to do with your family and what works for your for your particular family. And I think that that's going to look really different for everybody. And I think mm-hmm. everybody needs to realize that's okay and be supportive not, of one another. Not every parent can be the chaperone on a field trip. Right. And, and that goes back to the 
work-life balance too. You know, one of the things that, that I realized for, for whatever reason, November is a little bit slower for us. And so that was my opportunity to maybe go volunteer at school more since I hadn't been there during the fall crazy trade show rush. And that's where it comes down to planning an organization and setting yourself up to try to be as organized as you can. Yeah. You're very much like me. I like to plan out everything. I do. I like to plan. Sometimes it's, I've, I've had to learn that you've got to adjust when things don't go as planned and oftentimes they're not going to. Plans are only good so far, but at least it gets you on the right path. At least that's what I find. Because at least if you have it planned out, you can make those adjustments as needed, but you have at least the goal in mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I'm big in terms of planning out our whole week, planning out after school activities and meal plans and who's picking up from what events. And I think that sets us up to be as organized as possible. And if one or two roadblocks uh, get us off track, that's okay. And then we can just get back on the plan and hopefully everything moves on. So let me guess you meal prep too, don't you? I do meal prep. I'm a meal prepper. I have not been able to figure that out. I I just, that's one thing I can't do in all my planning. Meal prepping is just not one of those things that I think is in my DNA. <laughs> I, in all fairness, I think that if I had more time, I would probably cook a little bit more. So there's part of me that likes it. But at the same time, I just, it, it's one thing that I am going into the week and I know that I don't have to worry about. So it's one thing I know I have a hundred percent control over no matter what yeah. happens. Which is great. One of the things that women have struggled with, especially in uh, the printing industry, is making sure that their voice is heard, especially in a situation where there's a lot of men, a lot of men in the C-suite. I know you mentioned that you have a good amount of women in leadership positions at Orbis, but how do you make sure that your voice as a woman is heard above the fray of what's going on? If I can find it. I don't think this is something that came easy to me right at first as a leader. And I, I think everybody's been in meetings where you feel like there's people who who are talking and they just want to be heard all the time. I I definitely like to take the approach of I want to hear what everybody has to say. I want to make sure that I fully understand a situation. And oftentimes if I'm going to speak up and go over a topic, I'm going to make sure that I'm prepared with facts and research to get a point across. I think that's the easiest way to gain credibility in a board meeting or in in a meeting with other leaders. At the end of the day, yes, you're going to be met with opinions and different perspectives on a topic, but I think as long as you are backing up your your opinions with facts and data and explaining to a group why you feel a certain way or or why you're recommending to make a certain decision for the business, I think I think it's fine. A lot of it comes down to being per, being prepared and being confident. Mm-hmm. And not being accused that, oh, that's just an emotional decision because she's a woman. Instead, you're relying on the facts and the figures sure. behind. And that's what's supporting your decision. That ge- and that gives you the confidence too. And I think that's been a shift for me as I've gotten more experience and have gotten older is I, I am less emotional. I think that was something I had to work on when I was younger and mm-hmm doing the research, making sure that I had my facts in line and it really helped, helped me be less emotional, let me stick to the facts and make the decision based on what kind of business uh, solution that we were trying to create. 
So now I'm going to switch us again for one final time. And we're going to look at the industry a little bit. The printing industry sometimes has a bad rap. So what do you wish you could tell people about the printing industry or even your career path that you don't think they know or realize? Like I mentioned, you know, I didn't even really know that digital printing or the trade show industry existed when I started working with Orbis, or I guess it's just not something that I thought about a lot. I think it's really important to get involved in your industry and understand what's happening outside your business. I think attending trade shows, getting involved in the Printing United Alliance events have been such a game changer because you understand so much more about what's out there. And I think that's where we're going to attract people who want to get into the industry or don't even realize that the industry exists. I think about when I was in design school at Arizona State, we didn't talk about printing and production a lot, maybe very, very little. A lot of it was more about the agency side or graphic design firm. And I think about how beneficial it could be to have businesses like Orbis or Printing United members going to different universities and kind of promoting the industry and promoting the types of jobs that are available would be so eye-opening for students. And it's just not something I thought about in school. And I'm so glad that that Orbis uh, ended up being the first job I got out of school because it was a game changer for me. Yeah. And that's actually something that I've heard from a number of women, especially that came up the PR or marketing track that they, they did graphic design, they did PR, they did marketing, but it wasn't until they worked in the printing industry, did they fully realize all the tools that they could have been using for direct mail and for other things. So they're sure. like, why, why aren't, why isn't this taught as part of the curriculum to how to create for print and how to use print in campaigns sure. and what, whether it's signs, whether it's direct mail, whatever it is. You could have a whole semester class on, on printing pre-production, actual production. And you think about how the soft signage market has just incorporated into fashion, into trade shows. And those are things that if you had students creativity and they could utilize those types of technologies and materials to inspire projects at school. I just think back to my own experience in college, and I think it would have been a really great learning experience that I'm hoping can be taught in schools in the future to get more people interested in our industry. Yeah, it's like that missing link. Because you have a lot of yeah. these disciplines that are related, that they're going to involve printing at some point in time, but they don't know how to create for them, how to create files for them, how to work with them, how to even ask for certain things if they can be done. Sure. And I actually didn't really think about this, but I had two internships at school and a lot of that work was creating files for print. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And you do end up learning those things on the job. It's not yeah. something that they spend a lot of time teaching in school, but those are the necessary skills that help you land that first production artist role or even design role, right? They want to be able to trust someone to send files out and know they're going to get manufactured or produced correctly. Yeah. Do they know about bleeds? Do they know about all the printer marks? Do they make sure they put those on? If that's not taught, they have to learn it by trial and error in some ways on the job. Sure. Even you could take it a step further with color management. Oh yeah. Is it ICC profiles? Are you doing G7? Are you doing Grackle? I mean, there's so many different options depending upon what machines you're working on, what workflows you're working on. There's so much to learn. Sure. Pantone colors, whether you're working in offset, whether you're working in digital soft signage, mm -hmm. 
how to color correct appropriately based on what type of printer you're going to be working with. So maybe we've just created a whole uh, year's program at at a college. I don't know. I I think we may have. (laughs) So how do you think the, the industry as a whole can appeal to more women to help them get drawn into the printing industry? I've been thinking about this quite a bit. And like we just talked about, it's something that was definitely a missing link when I was in school. And in hindsight, I would have loved to hear more about the printing industry. We had guest speakers come and talk to our class. They just happened to be from design firms or ad agencies. And if there were women in printing that came to our school or were involved in portfolio reviews or more involved in internship programs, I think that that would attract uh, women at a younger age to understand there was more career opportunities than maybe they had originally thought when they entered a program or thought about what their future career would look like. Yeah, it's funny when you said, you know, like portfolio reviews, it would be so interesting to have someone that's in, you know, head of a pre-press or graphic design department at a print shop, be able to come in to do a portfolio review to actually tell the students that, yeah, that color can actually be printed. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Setting them up for a real world success. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the design's great, you know, you have all this, that, but that's colors and actually not, doesn't actually exist in, in real life. <laughs> you can show them the Pantone bridge coded book right there. Yep, exactly. So the last question, which I really enjoy asking is, knowing what you know now, you've been at Orbis for 18 years, what advice would you give to young women or what would you have, advice would you give to yourself when you were just entering the printing industry? I would say just get out and get involved. I I was pretty reserved when I was younger and I didn't get as involved as, as maybe I should have early on. And you just learn so much more when you're involved in the industry and also learn every part of the business. I started in pre-production. I don't think I thought about running equipment or learning about the print side for the first few years. It was, I had this mentality of, well, I'm just in the front of the, in the front of the house. I worry about the files being set up correctly for printing and we've got to make sure the orders go out into production correctly, but that's, that's sort of my area of comfort. So I was really glad that I had the opportunity to learn and get involved in color management. I took a number of different classes to try to expand the role, whether it was G7, I took a class at X-Rite, and that's where I think you start to realize, wow, there's so much more than I thought. And so I think the best thing that you can do is get out of your comfort zone, get involved in the industry, go to the Printing Alliance show if you can, get involved in, in the different groups and learn as much as you can about the industry. It'll give you a lot of ideas about where your career can take you. And keep learning. Absolutely. Well, Jamie, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. So I want to thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for for hosting. And uh, this was great. This was great to talk. All right. Thanks again. <laughs>